Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This episode of the Racket Magazine podcast is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini. Offering iconic tracksuits, classic polos, and the new Youngline sneaker. Originally designed in the mid-1980s, it's our favorite spring silhouette, and it's back. You can get it now at SergioTacchini.com, and follow them on Instagram at SergioTacchini underscore official for updates. Enter the promo code RACKETMAG at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your order. In Wimbledon 2006, we got in a brawl. Hello, Caitlin. It's uh, week nine of quarantine. Luckily, people keep lining up to talk with us. And this week, we have two guests. We have two guests, and they happen to be very good looking, and they look the same. They are the Brian brothers, Mike and Bob, who are quarantining basically three houses from each other in California, um, which Mike's really happy about because Bob usually is in Florida. Um, but you know, these guys, I've known them obviously since they came out onto the pro tour. I played world team tennis with them both. I played mixed doubles with Brian, uh, Bob Bryan at the US Open and we lost to Mike Bryan. Um, so they're just great guys. They're great for tennis. They've been great for the game of doubles, which I know you're happy about. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Some of the stories that they tell me, I could have talked to them for hours and hours and they could have talked for hours too. It was really fun. Well, they've had insanely long careers. I remember being at, you know, the junior Copper Bowl and Fiesta Bowl and seeing them play. They were, I think, only a year older than me. So they've had a 20-plus year career, and they've won so many Grand Slams, it's insane. One thing I was sort of curious to know is that they're still quite um, physical with each other, so to speak. <laughs> Want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there were some really fun, surprising things that they told me in this podcast. One of them about their birth order, which is even funnier. Um, but also, they're still quite physical with each other. They don't, like, just tell each other off. Like, you know, most doubles partners sometimes have a bit of a thing. They are physical. Like, they will punch each other, including a great story at Wimbledon where their poor old coach for a long, long time, David McPherson, or as we call him, Macca, um had to get into the i'm sure had to get in between them so many times and one time in particular in a transportation car at wimbledon it's an awesome story <laughs> oh there's an even better one at the australian open but it you just have to listen to hear it well these guys are delightful they're both parents uh and as you said they are not usually in the same space but because of the quarantine their families are three houses away um what a good and delightful chat this was i feel like you guys could have had a part two and three uh, and because of the length, we're over an hour. So please buckle up and enjoy both of these brothers, their stories. Um, and we'll have to do part two and maybe three if you have time. And we know you do. Yeah, we, 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 we're here for you, people. We're here for you. And this is a long one, but it's a great one because we have two. So enjoy it. I have to start by saying thank you to um, my amazing friends, the greatest doubles team of all time have joined me this week on the Racket Magazine podcast, Bob and Mike Bryan. And I am looking at them on Zoom right now and I know that Bob has the hat on and Mike doesn't have a hat on. Because I don't like my hair game right now, look at this. Well, thankfully it's a, a pod, 
uh, Bob. So yeah. you don't have to worry about anybody seeing your hair. Okay. Out. But uh, guys, thanks so much for joining me. First of all, it's so great to see your faces and uh, hear your voices. You what have you been up to in this quarantine? Well, um, well, yeah, we'll start off with the Indian Wells cancellation. Mm -hmm. And then Nadia had a baby shower here in Camarillo. So we came uh, up north three hours to Camarillo. And then Michelle got sick on that night. So she went into the Hampton Inn for a week of quarantine. God. And then I, on the heels of that, I got sick. Um, so that was two weeks gone. Wait, did you get COVID or just not well? No, she got tested. She, um, it took six weeks to get the test results back, um, but she was negative. Um, she still thinks she got it <laughs> because it was like right in line with the symptoms. And then I got a bad stomach flu and then the pandemic was in full swing. So we got an Airbnb because we didn't want to travel. We didn't want to go back to Miami. It's Airbnb for about seven weeks. Uh, toughing it out, but it's it's nice. It's on a lot of land. Kids are running around, swimming, um, doing the thing. And then then Mike with uh, Nadia, they they started getting close with the baby, and you know, um, right. and then bang, uh, baby popped. Baby popped. Baby popped eight days ago. So yeah. I got. Uh, so tell me, tell me how life's been with uh, now being a, a father. Finally, you're so over people saying, "When are you going to?" I know. Have I know. I know. Um, it's it's awesome. Um, I'm a little low on sleep, but this little baby Jake is so cute. He's a little angel. Anything he does, I'm just, whoa. Uh, you know, he's pooped his diaper, but I was like excited, you know. But it was cool. Nadia did it all natural. Um, we didn't go to the hospital. It, um, her water broke at 1.30 a.m. So we went over to a birthing center, and she was a champ. Just uh, bit a piece of wood and just took the pain like, a, you know, like an all-star. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been awesome. Been taking the baby over to Bob's house, have a little barbecue, my parents. So baby's getting out and about, but awesome. Unreal. Oh, that, that's so great. Um, yeah, I was really happy because you, you kind of kept on the down low a little bit because yeah. you weren't out there, you weren't playing. So, you know, press aren't all over you about a million questions. So it was nice when I saw your event the other day on Insta Live when you were raising money. Well done on that, by the way. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your foundation and what you were doing the other day? Yeah, we started the Brian Burroughs Foundation uh, a little over 10 years ago. Um, you know, Agassiz set a good example for us, uh, doing all his work with the school in, in Vegas, and he was our idol. Um, he joined us for our first event in 08 uh, to help launch our foundation. It was super nice, flew over, and uh, we raised a bunch of money. We've been doing a yearly event, raising money for Team Brian program, uh, which is also in Vegas. It's a bunch of kids. I come from some tough situations and through tennis and mentoring and uh, you know through schooling they're they're starting to get scholarships they're 133 uh, full scholarships to universities and this is a really special program um, the best one I've ever seen you know I think 95% of these kids that come through um, you know go on to have amazing scholarships and they become leaders in the community so on our birthday we want to just take that time to help raise money um, so we had our buddies on. You know, I should have got you, Stubbsy. Yeah. I saw she said, uh, keep the hat on. I, okay. I saw your comment. I was, I was watching. I did like uh, Mike's hat. And you were uh, being, uh, trying to be big brother, although you're a little brother because you're two minutes late, later than Mike. So him to take the hat off. And I told him. We just yeah. found out Bob's older. We just found that out. Yeah, yeah. that was weird. Um, but you did before, not. Yeah, yeah. Before we uh, got married, Nadia and I here in December, I had to get a, a birth certificate. And it said second twin on my birth certificate. Yeah. So then I had to get 25 bucks and get Bob's and it said first twin. So my parents mixed it up. And so for 42 years, we've thought the other way. It, yeah, that was wild. Oh um, my God. That, that would have changed everything. Did that <laughs> no, that was weird. It was weird. You know, I was always the bigger and stronger, two minutes bigger. faster. So two I minutes. didn't, I didn't think it was right that I was the younger twin. But yeah, because you sense. ate everything, and then you were like, "Out of my way, bro." Yeah, no, no, it was it was, it was a weird thing. Yeah, but with that, uh, the birthday, we had twenty people come on uh, during two hours. I think it was twenty-five actually. Mm -hmm. So everyone got four minutes uh, on Insta Live. <laughs> so it was like one question, and then cut them off and move on to the next. I didn't think we'd be able to pull it off just because of all the in and outs and you know busy schedule and you know. But everyone got got in there somehow. Um, I skipped query. I forgot query. I had a no, list. Of 
He won't care. Query and Anderson, I just kind of, they were there, ready to go, but I just skipped them. They'll <laughs> <laughs> never forget no it. Big deal. No big um, deal. It's funny, uh, I had Andy Roddick on the pod uh, last week, actually, and one of the things he said was how great the tennis community is about supporting um, yeah. a lot mm -hmm. of foundations and a lot of uh, charity work, and you guys are indicative of that. So for 10 years, you've been doing that, so well done. It's funny okay. that you bring up um, who came out of the womb first and who didn't, and now that that has all been messed up. It was kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but... Um, I obviously know how you got into tennis. Your mom was a great player. Your dad coached tennis a little bit and he was like instrumental in everything. But was it always like a love for you guys uh, early on or were you very interested in it only or was it other sports as well? We just grew up running around uh, in a swimming pool on the court, building forts and all of our friends were there. So it was just our way of life. And my dad knew how it motivated us by taking us um, to pro matches and he just kind of surrounded us in this um, tennis atmosphere, really fun loving. Um, and we always played games and it was exciting. Um, so, I mean, we, we played basketball and other, other sports, but um, yeah, it was just, we always wanted to be like our, our idols because we, we went to Indian Wells when we were eight years old, saw Agassiz, we're like, oh my God, this guy, we want to be like this guy. We're wearing his clothes and yeah. um, had his posters on our wall. So it was, um, I don't know. My dad, he wrote a book on parenting. Uh, he has got these like side door motivational philosophies. We didn't really know what was hitting us, but he was always, um, you know, just inspiring us through, um, you know, we saw it with our eyes first and then we, we developed that love and that passion. And then we, uh, we just loved playing together and we were just pushing each other to get better. And we played our, our first tournament at age six and played one every weekend. But you know, we, we just loved it. We'd go play the tournament and then we'd go like get pizza and then we'd play miniature golf and did it with yeah. our, our buddies. No, they, they were very smart about hooking us yeah. early. Like we fell in love um, out of the gates. He was, my mom and dad would take us down to the Great Western Forum. We would see Agassiz, you know, play Courier. Uh, they took us down to the LA tournament at UCLA. We were watching the matches. We were playing hide and go seek uh, around the courts. We were ball kids for the tournament. We'd go down to Indian Wells every year. So we were just kind of, we want to play tennis on Monday. And they would say, yeah, no, 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 guys, not, not, uh, not today. We'll play tomorrow. So they were, we were chomping at the bit. They're holding us back. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, when they let us go, we were, we were going full steam ahead. Uh, we knew everything about every pro. We knew their middle names. Uh, we, we could, we had the rankings memorized from zero to 200. Um, and then Agassiz was, you know, our God. He wasn't just a player. It was kind of like a religious. He hated so you, hate you were like, get this guy out of here. Yeah, we, we would always debate that, you know, Pete and Andre, uh, that was like Rafa and, and Fed, you know, yeah. today. That was the big conversation. Who's better? And, you know, Pete had all those number ones. He had the slam. So we were, we were fighting the uphill battle with the kids at the club. But, you know, Agassiz, there was something about watching him, the way he did it, you know. He had a little little bit of curios in him um, earlier in his career. You know, he, yeah. wasn't, he would tank a couple matches, but he had that flair and he was just fun to watch. And then, you know, late in his career, he was wearing the all white, tightened it up, and uh, he was very professional. So he had a huge transformation yeah. uh, from the long hair guy to the shaved head. But uh, he was always our guy. He was our guy. And we had the same birthday. Yeah. And then was, when my first match on the tour. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah same, same birthday. And we actually, How do I not remember? I tweeted that the three greatest American <laughs> tennis players, and I put the three of you in there. Yeah, he just turned 50. We're 42. Yep. He actually sent us a, a really nice message on our 40th, um, oh. blew us away. Um, but one of my first matches on the tour, I got a wild card at the LA tournament. I played him in singles. I drew him first round. I was shaking in my boots. Then Mike qualified for the Open. Uh, I think it was back in 2000 or 2001. 2001. And he, oh. drew, he drew Agassiz uh, night match Arthur Ashe Stadium. No! Yes, yeah. it, was a, yeah. it was unbelievable. Mike was, uh, you know, staying with them. It was like, Four on uh, the first in early, but he just kept me on this yo-yo. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, he hits hard. He should hit harder than this, but he just wanted to get me tired. He was yeah. throwing me side to side. And then he took my legs out. And then the last two sets were like one and oh, like in 30 <laughs> minutes. He ropa doped Mike. Um, he was very smart. He would have the he would have the chance for the winner and he would take the foot off the pedal and let Mike back in the point. It was a bad matchup. I was trying to serve and volley, you know, he's roping returns and just passing me. I served like under 50% because my legs were gone. And then, yeah, I've never watched that match because I was like kind of embarrassed 
you, just yeah. because... Mike, 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 just watch the first set. You're all good. Yeah. Yeah, you, were, good you, you look good early. I was digging. Yeah, you I mean, we've all got those stories, Mike. I, I, I almost took a first set off of Lindsay Davenport at the Australian. Yeah, yeah. That's, I watched I you play singles. You were money. I got hooked. Uh, I got a bad call. You can ask her. What was your best Wimby? Uh, second round. I got really tough draws, I will say. Bad draws. I, I got test dude. Like, I got really good yeah. draws. Like Loring McNeil. I, I qualified, like, every time, but I couldn't get yeah. past, like, these really good players on grass anyway. How good did it feel to get out of Roehampton, though? That's, yeah. like, the best yeah. feeling in the world is when, is when Wimby – because the qualies are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So you qualify on Wednesday, and then you get those beautiful four days to go over to the main site with your credential, bask in the glory. Yeah. I qualified once. Yeah, the, the, the Roehampton, like, win, like that last win, and knowing that you've got it, you can leave there and go to Wimbledon. I, my first year I qualified, and I was, like, this greatest day of my life. It literally is, like, one of my top – of all my slams and that, my greatest. Yeah, my, that's my mom's grace uh, moment yeah. of her career is yeah. when she qualified. Because Roehampton's just – as you know, it's just – it's – a long road it's a, a lowly you know sad little place of a battlefield there's you know 50 courts in a row balls are going on your court um there's very very few people watching and it's it's windy it's and then you go from there into disneyland. the yeah disneyland um, you go through the big golden gates of wimbledon and you've gone from being the scumbag to being like part of the show it's to it's being in the members locker room now like yeah know. the members locker yeah i got the last round four times i only wallied once but it was my um my best, best i don't year. know i don't know how that's possible with your serve running into the net how do you not qualify well, every time anyway? one one year um i got to the quarters of queens but i drew prentisil who had just won hall a in the last round qualies he beat rafter in the finals so we were both pretty hot and i was up two sets to love it was the year that all the Spanish guys boycotted. Last round. So he was already in the tournament. He was already in. He knew it. He was lucky, lucky loser. Yeah. So he's playing for nothing. He's holding his shoulder, holding his knee. I'm up two sets of love. He leaves the court for like 20 minutes. I think he, he's going to get he, defaulted. He walks um, 300 yards. You know, the, the road to the bathroom at yeah, Rohan. Yeah, it's so far so away. Far. Yeah. And he walks so slow. I remember it was 30 minutes. Yeah, and I thought, okay, this guy is gonna default. Like, I was so stoked. I'm in, I'm in Wimbledon, and he came back. The biggest mistake, Bob. He just started lighting me up, and I lost in five. It was, it was a killer, and I was one out. I didn't get in the tournament. You know, like nine Spanish guys pulled out, and I was the next lucky loser. And I was just that. That hurt. That hurt me. Yeah, yeah. Because Mike would have enjoyed half of my prize money at that at that time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So guys, why why was it so important? Like your parents, um, were they really wanting you to go to Stanford, go to college, or were you just like that was always going to be your path? I think they had a uh, a master plan. Like in my dad's yearbook um, in high school, uh, we looked at it the other day, and it says my sons they're going to be champion tennis players. Um, <laughs> And so I think he had this vision that, you know, he actually took us to the NCAAs in 1990. And we watched Stanford and Dick Gould and all the, the legendary Stanford, like uh, Palmer Stark and all these guys. So we watched that. And we always wanted to, we actually went to Sizzler. We followed the team. Like we kind of like tailed them and we followed them to Sizzler. And, you know, they went up to the buffet bar and we went behind, you know, and we're like, oh my God, these guys are just legends. You and guys so, are stalkers. Yeah, we, yeah, we stalked him. Or creeps. But, um, you know, on our refrigerator, we'd write down our goals and we were like, you know, we were Stanford and USC. It was Stanford or USC. But literally, I think USC was the front runner for a lot of years because of Dick Leach and my dad and Dick Leach um, were so tight. And Ricky Leach was one of our idols in doubles. Um, so at the last moment, we decided to go up north. We wanted to, to go on the farm because we wanted to be with Paul Goldstein. Um, and these and these like U.S. juniors. Well, Dick Leach held two scholarships for us for for years, mm -hmm. so we were always you know going to to USC. We're going to be close to home. You know, our parents would come down and stay, keep an eye on us, and keep working with us. And, and the recruiting trip was insane. The recruiting trip was amazing. You know, we hung out with Keyshawn Johnson, and the band played for us. We ran on the field. Um, you know, they played for us at the Coliseum on this podium, and we were holding the two fingers in the air. And then you uh, just. Dumped. They actually beat Stanford in the game on a last-second uh, touchdown. I think Keyshawn scored, and he, like, point, pointed at us. You know, so we were just on adrenaline, and signing day was the next morning. 
Yeah. So we went wow. home and we're like, okay, SC's in there. And then we kind of, we typed um, all the pluses and minuses from both schools. And I think Stanford had one more plus. And um, definitely wasn't the girls. It, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, I think it was Paul Goldstein that pulled us in there because we actually idolized him. He was the best junior player to ever play. Yeah. And we just wanted to be with that guy. He was just a, a winner. Yep. And Dick um, Gould called us. He's like, if you guys are on the fence, I'm driving down. It's a six-hour drive. I'm dri driving down. But we decided Stanford. And then my dad had to make the call. And it's the only time I've ever seen him cry. He, he picked up the phone to Dick Leach. And he's, the boys are going up north. And then he just started sobbing. Because I, we're, our families were so tight. And it, that kind of broke it off. Yeah, like, for a couple of years, it was, it was a little bit tense with the Leaches. I mean, we're all good now. We love them. But... Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Stanford had all Americans. They were all our national teamers, all our buddies, um, you know, and then USC, we actually, on a recruiting trip, we didn't meet one of the players. It, it was weird. It was all foreign players. We didn't, we didn't go to tennis courts. We didn't go to the courts. You know, they only had five courts, um, which at the time was pretty amazing. You know, nice stadium, but not enough, not enough courts to actually play a full match. So they'd always play the five, and then the net first guy off would, would uh, finish, and the next match would come on. I remember Dick, uh, Dick Gould drove us around. He drove us up to like the hills of Stanford. And like, he's like, just take a, a breath of that fresh air. Yeah, That's the redwoods. It's not going to smell like that down, down in LA. <laughs> that is a good decision. Well, it was a good decision. Obviously, uh, you guys were amazing at Stanford, uh, particularly Bob. You got the triple crown, I think, singles, doubles team title. That was amazing. Um, when you left Stanford, was it, um, was it, how overwhelming was it to turn pro? And, um, you know, you were, both still playing singles, obviously. But what was the moment? Because I remember the moment when I decided, okay, enough with the singles. Like, I was pretty old. I was like 29 when I decided to quit okay. playing singles. Yeah. Like, well, what was it for you that was like, all right, other than rankings, was there a moment where you're like, all right, I think we should put all of our efforts into doing the doubles? Yeah, I mean, look, when we went to Stanford, we needed Stanford. I mean, we, we always dreamt of going to college. We were 125 pounds when we entered Stanford. Um, and we were that much bigger than that now. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> the same. We were 165 pounds when we turned pro in 98. That was after our sophomore year. When we won the NCAA team title and then we won the doubles and, and the singles, we still never thought about turning pro. We were having the time of our life. Um, we both had girlfriends. It was just awesome. You know, it was just a social awakening. You know, we had always been kind of this, in this bubble. We were loving it. We were in part of the fraternity, like Mike said. And, um, you know, Dick Gould actually called us into his office. We went back to take finals and we're on campus and we get a call from Gould. We come in and in, in the office is Gould and my parents. And Gould's like, guys, it's, um, it's time to go, you know. Wow. Not at all. We're like, well, really? Like, you know, you're a coach. You're trying to win next year too, but he's telling us to go. So we're like, all right, let's go. And they're like, um, yeah, there's some money there, you know, for some, um, you know, guaranteed contracts. and you know, suddenly we're out there in Waco, Texas, you know, playing in the futures and um, challengers. And it was, did, it wasn't glamorous. Ever, did you ever um, think for a period of time that it was a mistake? Was there ever a time? Um, you no, I mean, once we, you know, wrapped our mind around it, we just went, you know, and it was, there's just, our goals shifted, you know, we shifted to, you know, trying to win that tournament out in Texas, Louisiana. And we actually had success right out of the gates, you know. I think I won my first four futures and singles. We started uh, dominating doubles. We had like this 45 match win streak coming out of college and doubles and we continued it. We took it to about 70 matches. Uh, I think we won four futures, two challengers, and it took us all the way to the semis of Washington, DC um, before we lost our first match. Um, so we, we did get a little, little boost. I had some wild cards and singles. We had wild cards and, and doubles. We got to play the open. Um, you know, things were, things were going well, but, you know, doubles and singles is, it was tough to, to split the schedule up. You know, we are, we are in the big time in doubles, you know, but we are in Louisiana playing singles. Hey, um, I, I get and it. Yeah, you did it. You saw, you saw, but it was tough to do both. So after a frustrating couple of years, we decided, Hey, we want to play Davis cup. We want to play the Olympics. We want to do this together. We have more, actually more fun playing doubles. We we're better at it and we enjoy it more. And so we decided in, at the, in the December of 2000 to, to put all of our eggs in that basket. And I think we were only 22 years old at the time. Yeah, yeah, so you were still playing. 
a couple of qualities. Like that cool decision. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was a you know 116 in the world in in singles and you know knocking on the door to to be in the in the main draw of uh, slams, but um, we actually just decided to you know pull the pull the ripcord and, and just start it, going. It was for my it. decision. Yeah, no, it was actually no. Mike was the one that pushed it. Um, He's like, so, enough with this bullshit quality. No, I, I was actually struggling with like hip injuries and, and stuff. So I was playing singles, but I wasn't recovering well. My body was feeling a little bit crappy. And, you know, I was like, you want to go to any Wells or you want, you want to go like um, China and play a future, yeah. you know, like, so there's, it's like two different tours. We wanted to be in the show and we were just super excited to move up the rankings and doubles. And we just loved playing together. We loved winning together, losing, whatever. We just loved doing it together. Um, so I kind of said, Bob, I know you have singles dreams. You're, you're knocking on the door, top hundred. I mean, he was knocking on the door. He's going to, you're one match away from like the main draw Aussie open. Yeah. Um, I think the difference was when Mike actually stopped traveling with me in, in the fall of 2000, I went over to Knoxville to play a challenger. I needed to make a semi to get straight in the Aussie open. I end up losing first round and I spend Thanksgiving in a motel six and I call a taxi and I go have Thanksgiving um, with the taxi driver in a waffle house. And I'm sitting there talking to the, to the Mike's enjoying it. He was in Santa Maria, my grandparents house, you know, they're playing football and just eating Turkey. And I'm, I'm in waffle house eating with the taxi driver. And I, and when I came home, I was almost, who invited who in for the dinner? Well, I invited him. I just said, dude, like I'm going crazy. You know, there was no, like, I was playing snake on my Nokia, you know, on my Nokia phone. <laughs> there wasn't, there wasn't much else to do, you know, reading the newspaper. And, and anyway, I, I came home and Mike's like, Hey man, um, you want to play doubles? I'm like, huh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> you know, screw yeah. this. It wasn't fun. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so we want to do it. And literally, if I didn't have Mike out there for this many years, we'd probably were retired at 32 years old. And that's always the age we thought we were going to retire at. I I don't know what, how long you thought you're going to play Stubbsy. I mean, you played until you're, you played until you're 40. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always thought, okay, 32 is, that's a good age, like 32. Um, And then bang 32, we're at the London Olympics and there's no end in sight. And you probably thought same thing. Yeah. One year stacks on the other. And now here we are 42 and you know, it goes, it goes quickly, especially when you're successful like you guys. This episode of the Racket Magazine podcast is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini, revitalizing and disrupting the status quo since 1966. Follow them on Instagram at Sergio Tacchini underscore official and go to SergioTacchini.com for more. Enter the promo code RACKETMAG at checkout and you'll get 30% off your order. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Was there ever a time where you considered not playing together? Was there ever a time where you're like, oh, why don't we at least have a little bit of time away from each other? Or was that never an option for you? It, I don't think it ever entered our minds. I mean, we've just been a package deal since day one. Um, played every match together in the juniors. Just it, it didn't even cross our mind. I know when teams lose and they have a bad um, patch, they're always thinking, oh, the grass is greener. You know, maybe I can find a better returner or like a quicker guy. 
Bob, yeah, that was a slap. Like, that was a slap my, right there. This is well known. This is my guy, and um, you know, we only did it a few times. I mean, Bob had a baby, so I went to go play with Marty Fish Davis Cup, and that's just weird. You know that. You know, it's yeah. But I mean, look, Stubbsy, you had success with a lot of uh, different partners, but I'm sure there were times where you guys had three bad losses in a row, and you're probably like, wait, you know, maybe I should get go back to this partner or maybe i should move on i don't yeah, know how the biggest mistake players are super loyal and they don't they don't even think about that but as twins we're like that you, yeah. it never enters your mind yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it, it's better knowing that there's no option um you're just gonna stick it out so you're always building week in and week out your experience is getting better um our chemistry is always growing and you know you're traveling with your best friend i mean this guy you know is, i know him better than he knows himself and so I felt like over time, we're just building, building, building. And it took us until 25, you know, to win our first slam. Uh, yeah, talk me through that, guys. Talk me through. That was my next question about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just, every year, so we won our first title. It took us two years to win our first title. Um, we had a couple good wins. We beat the Woodies. But, you know, everyone's like, when are they going to win their first title, you know? Um, and we finally did it in Memphis. And then we won a few more. And then the next year, we won our first Masters Series. Um, and then the next year was the French Open, and we had lost a couple heartbreakers at Indian Wells. We we're up uh, six two five two. Bob serving in the finals of Indian Wells, our home tournament. What? Uh, that was our dream. Maybe five to win Indian Wells. I think it was one. Um, it was one break. And then up four on the third, and it just slipped. You know, we we're playing Kafelnikov and Ferrer. They just made us play. We got tight. You know, we didn't. No, make- but it was crazy. It was hot, and we we're holding easy, and it was quick doubles, and then. And then suddenly the sun got behind those mountains. Oh, yeah. And our serves just weren't popping. Nothing was happening. And those guys, you know, made every return at our feet. And it got, it got ugly. And yeah. that was one of those matches yeah. where we had to read it in the newspaper to believe it really happened. And then the same thing happened in Miami uh, against Leander. And was it Rickle? Rickle. Semis. Same, same thing, semis. Six, and three, so five, we just learned a huge lesson that, like, you never can take your foot off the gas. And that's why you see us always bouncing around and moving our feet. Because yeah. then we went into the French Open that year. And we just said, we're playing every point. It doesn't matter for a 4-1. And so we just got super hot. Our energy was like crazy high. And we just drilled teams. We didn't lose a set. Our only set that went over 6-4 was in the finals. And um, we just put it together. Uh, we stayed at the Pierre Vacance. It was the junior hotel. Yeah. Because we got there. Have um, you ever stayed there, Stubbsy? No, I never stayed there. Thank God. We got there 10 days early um, because we lost in Hamburg and we just wanted to get there and prepare. We just hired Phil Farmer, who was kind of like a spark. He had good energy. Yep. He was in these little hulls before the match and he'd, we'd pray. He was like really religious. <laughs> and he had these game plans. He was like the first guy to like write down these note cards. And so we just went into every match like super fired up. We were like superstitious. We had the Chinese restaurant 21 days in a row. And uh, we're the only people in there. It was bad Chinese. And we'd walk in, we'd hand them the the Dave Matthews CD crash. And they would just start playing it on the, in the speakers because we were the only people in there. When you won your 41st title, were you like Dave Matthews? 41. That's our, that's still our favorite song. But but we had this fire under us because Patrick McEnroe said, if you want to play Davis cup, you've got to be number one in the world and win a slam because he didn't want to take the chance on putting us on the team. And then one of the guys getting hurt. So it's like, you guys got to be an automatic. And it felt like we should have been the team for two years, but it was just breaking our heart every time they announced the team and we were on it. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge dream. And so we're like, we got to win this French. We got to get to number one. And then we just, we visualized it. We just wanted it so bad that, it, you know, it finally happened. And then that took a lot of pressure. And then we started, you know, playing great. Do you remember the night before the final? Do you remember having? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, we God. couldn't sleep. We didn't sleep for, I would say four or five days. Um, right. Because, yeah. you know, Pierre Vacant, well, you don't know because you never stayed there. The, yeah, the bed God. rock hard, that yeah. the floor is actually softer than the bed. So we moved our, we moved our um, blankets down to the floor. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where the hallways are dark until you start walking and the lights click. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Shining. They just kind of keep flickering <laughs> down the hallway. And, you know, the breakfast is horrible. So we had our aunt was coming over making us these, um, these Mexican eggs in the morning. And then we were just going on adrenaline. Like Mike said, we'd get up one break. We'd be like fire in our eyes, yeah. you know, going two breaks. We got to get two breaks. 
yeah, and then yeah. three breaks. Yeah, this yeah. thing isn't over. Yeah, you yeah. know, but uh, yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a we rabid. Actually, we won the last 16 points of the match. Yeah, so we didn't, we were super nervous, but we didn't have a chance to get nervous um, <clears throat> because we, we won so many points in a row to finish. It was like a flurry. But we were, we were actually nervous on the flight to Queens because we're like, we're Grand Slam champs. We can't crash now. <laughs> so there was like turbulence, and that's the most scared I've ever been. Um, oh my God. We, wanted, so, we wanted to enjoy it a little more. Like you're just thinking about that Alanis Morissette song. You know, isn't that ironic? Yeah, and then we yeah, had yeah. this, it was a big check, you know, we'd never seen money like that, you yeah. know, I probably got, but it's I bigger now is like it, probably three. It's funny. Not bigger now. Yeah. We said, we said, if we win the French, we did, we made a promise with Phil, we're going to go right when we get to London, we're going to go buy Cartier watches at Harrods at Harrods. So we get to London and we, we go into Harrods and we're like, damn, four days things, in a row. These things are expensive. Like <laughs> we're like, it wasn't that much money, you know, like we didn't pull the trigger. No, no, we kept looking at it. them. You didn't buy them. We were going to get them engraved and, you know, we had all these plans. We're like the we're next like, slam. Let's do the next slam. It's like oh. we didn't have the money in our hand. It was, it was just a, a digit. Yeah, it was just <laughs> a computer well, well, I hope that eventually you bought one because you, you ended up winning 16 together. So. I actually did a couple of years ago because I wanted to get my wife a watch and she's like, you can't get it for me unless you get yourself something. So you oh. got the diamond encrusted one for that was, yeah. That was. So so guys, um, you know, you, you end up winning sixteen grand slams, which is unbelievable. Um, together. Obviously, Mikey went out and strayed and cheated on you and won two more. Uh with yeah. Jack. But, no but we'll get to that in a bit. But um one of the I mean, obviously I played with Lisa and Lisa was like a sister to me. Obviously, we were we were very close together. So it was really hard. There were times where we wanted to kill each other right yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. shit done like i can tell you one story where we won in san diego and we told each other to fuck off at four yeah. i won in the third and we didn't say a word to each other and we won the match seven six in the third yeah yeah we did we, done we that. didn't say a word but we knew each other so well yeah what, what what's some of the like fun stories of oh, that man. well it's a it's a very delicate balance uh, with, with us especially just because we've seen so much of each other and, and we don't treat each other like uh, normal partners we we're brothers. So yeah. if he tells me like, oh man, you got to start hitting your second serve. Like that just burns, you know, I'm like, I don't want to yeah. hear that from him, man. Like, so it's better when there's no real leader and there's not a lot of talking. So a lot of times we say, okay, let's just, but there's let's no leader with you guys. We, no. we try not to have a leader. Cause if, you there, don't wanna... if there is a leader, it, it, it really affects the team in a negative way. Um, if I'm, if I'm trying to coach Mike, then he's now he's feeling insecure and, and that's going to, that's going to blow up in our face. Same, same thing with the opposite. It's, it's better if we're both equals and we're both being quiet. Yeah. And we're both only saying positive things about even strategy and even too much positivity is bad because we're still talking too much. I'm like, great shot. And then I don't say it. And he's like, Hey man, didn't you like that return? Like, <laughs> so you, we just, we do better when we're quiet. That's why we use like hand signals and, and we play quick. Um, I mean, it, in Wimbledon 2006, we got in a brawl. We actually won the first round, but we were still like pissed that we won 10-8 in the fifth. We were dead. We're super hungry. We got in the car, and then Macker starts going over. He starts analyzing the match, and then we start pointing fingers, and Macker always has to come in between us and be like a mediator. And, but he was in the front seat. We are both in the back seat. And so we started going after each other. Bob took the first swing, yeah. gets me on the head, but then – Usually, you know, we like, he breaks us up, but no one could break us up. We're in the back so seat. I started swinging. Our car was rocking side to side. The driver's like looking back, what's going on back there? Macker's crying, hey, stop that. And it was a full-fledged just war. We're bloodied up. And then we apologize to the driver. We start walking up the stairs to our flat. <laughs> and Bob gets me with one last hit to the back of the head. And I just kind of take it. I, I take, take 10 seconds. And then I, I mule kick him off the stairs. That was a cheap shot. And he flies back off the stairs. And I run up to the bathroom because I know he's coming at me. He's going to kill me. <laughs> like, he's got a racket. He's going to. And then he's trying to beat down the door like, like um, here comes Johnny. Like the shiny. If I had a gun, I would have shot you. But then the funny thing is, like, well, he, he broke my guitar. Like, I hear my guitar blowing up. He's just, it's splintered everywhere in the <laughs> living room. And then the funny thing is we're, like, having dinner you know, a little bit later and, and then we laugh about it. And so it's kind of a way 
to really, I know it's not good, but it's a kind of a way to release steam. And, and that's what we always do daily. You know, we, we get in these little tiny ones, but that, that was a huge one. Then we would go on to win Wimbledon, you know? Um, then yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing. We're, we're so intense. Uh, we hate to lose. We, we don't take practices off. Like we can't separate practice from matches. So I'm losing, losing a practice set to us is like a warning sign that we're going to lose in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So we, we're just as intense in practice. We don't drink water. We're, we're nuts. We're nuts. We don't like to miss shots, you know? Well, I think guys that that's like an important thing to teach people is because I think I've always said, I said this to people I coach or just like random people or, you know, people that ask me for advice. I said, you play how you practice. Yeah, it's true. If you practice a little bit lethargically or, you know, kind of like Roger does, right? Roger's like super relaxed, but that's how he plays, right? Rafa, yeah. super intense. Like there's not a, a yeah. shot that isn't 100% every time. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. And that's how you guys play. You're like super intense. You're in people's faces. You're like not giving anyone a reprieve. So you can't possibly practice relaxed and then expect to be like that. Yeah, and that's our, um, that's why I think, like Mike said, we do need those releases of steam. And, you know, we, we've gotten physical many times um, after matches, during matches. <laughs> uh, but it does, it does kind of release. Remember one in one match? One time Lisa Raymond took a, a second serve, semifinals of the French Open. Ball yeah. was a fault. Have I told you this story? Did she in hit a, you on purpose? In a drunken stupor in World Team Tennis when we were playing. No, she takes the second serve. At first, uh, the serve is a fault. She rails it at me, hits me in the ass, looks yeah, at yeah. me. I turn around. I'm like, what the? And she looks yeah. at me. She no, big, no big deal. Only yeah. meant to tag me. I mean, there's so many stories like that. But what about Both, you know, on the court? Yeah, yeah. Bob's got me at the few serves in the back of the head. Well, I actually knocked him out in a match. Uh, That's <laughs> actually, you know, no one knows about this because it was on a side court. And luckily, there was no cameras. But it was first round of the Aussie Open like two or three years ago. I think Federer was losing on Rod Laver. So all the press, all the eyes were on that match. And we're on a backcourt. And, and we're playing um, a Japanese guy that's 18 years old. You know, we have preconceived notions. We want to beat this team like one and one. Yeah. You know, so we're playing, I think it was Fuksovich. And but we didn't um, know at the time. He's actually like Yama, Yamasaki or, you know, no, Nishioka. He's oh, Nishioka. Yeah. He's good too, but we didn't know him. But they were staying on the baseline. You know, it was, you know, we're like looking at it like, okay, we're in the second round here. And we're down a break in the first and we start sniping. That's what we call it when we start making these comments. We call it sniping. And I know all Bob's insecurities, he knows mine. So he hits me where, it, you know, it hurts. You know, he tells me, oh man, you're sure there's nothing on your survey. You're like, <laughs> nice athletic ability. You know, <laughs> and then um, we, we get in this point where we have overheads and we don't put them away and we lose the point. They hit a winner. And I give Bob like a little bit of a tap to the back of the head, you know, just like, hey, man, shut up. Yeah. He, he slapped me and said, like, you know, like the McFly. Hey, McFly. Yeah. Um, but I had told him in the months leading up to that, if he ever did it again, I would knock him out. I mean, he did to me like a lot of times during the indoor season. I told him, I'll knock you out next time you do it. And we actually got in a brawl in the Vienna airport over the same thing. And then what do you know? He slaps me on the back of the head during the match. And just instinctively, I turned around with a fist. And he does I did, like a I, windmill, like all the way around. So he got lucky to hit me where he hit me. But he did a full, like, no looks with the arm. And he connected right to the occipital ridge. <laughs> and I woke up on the ground. I woke up on the ground. and I didn't know where I was. And I called the trainers out. They're giving me smelling salt. I actually thought no. I broke my wrist. Yeah, I thought I broke my wrist. His, his wrist hey, was totally hey, What? Years. How did this happen? He goes, he fucking hit me. No, no, no. The mic's um, laying on the ground and he opens his eyes. He's like, congrats. You just made F in Sports Center. You know, <laughs> Sports Center. Because it, it was still a big crowd. I'm like, someone had to get that. And actually. But he dropped so quick that the crowd thought he was faking it. Everyone's laughing. They're all laughing and no one knew what to say. But um, our coaches, they knew our, you know, our fight in Vienna. They're like, oh, my God, he's out. What happened? So then Mike starts getting smelling salts on the, on the sidelines. Anyway, it was like one of those deals. We were both so scared. I was actually scared about, you know, the video going viral. There was that, one guy that had it. And it was a player. And I had him delete it. <laughs> because yeah. He had it slow mode. He had this like. Uh, who was it? Who was it? Um, it was Dusan. He had. <laughs> he had. He had. Um, 
he had music. He had Mike dropping like a little sack of potatoes, then getting back up and then dropping, dropping. He had it on like this rap video. It was it was an amazing. But we uh, come back, we win the match. I can't believe that you didn't save that for you guys. I know. I, we were just so serious. So we go into press and we're like, oh, here we go. And no one asked the question, like, what happened there? It's like, how was the match? You know, okay, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, no, no, no one saw it. You know. Oh my god. Sports sixteen. So yeah, the luckily, clean image I, of the Brian brothers in dodged the bullet. Intact, intact. Well, yeah, I had a, I had a full on concussion. I, I couldn't read for like a month. You couldn't taste. I couldn't. I um like bright lights were getting me. I had the, all the concussion protocols. You know, like it was crazy. I love I love the Bob's like he couldn't eat. <laughs> the moral of the story is if I tell you, but I'm gonna knock you out. <laughs> I'm gonna get you next. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna See, get him. You no, know, he's the younger brother. Yeah, I know. He's the, he's the bigger one because he ate more and he stayed in the womb a little longer and took right. advantage. Yeah, Mike, actually, you spent an extra week in the hospital because you was a little. I was jaundiced. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Mike, is that what meditation does for you? It helps you deal with your brother? Have you gotten him to meditate? Do you meditate, Bob? With your concussion? Yeah. I, I like, I like med- Bob's never meditated a day in his life. That's not true. Really? I don't know. I mean, people call it different things. You know, I just sit there, close my eyes, and the, so before match, Bob will be on his, his phone, like playing games. That's how he, he gets his mind off of like you know the match coming. But I always find like a quiet room, like a quiet like place in the locker room. Close my eyes, put a towel over my face, and like do some breathing. And you know, I like it. You know, we both, vis- both visualize. I mean, I, I'm sure you do the same thing. You know, night before you try to see the match, see the opponents, see what you're going to do. Just kind of, I don't know, absorb the environment a little bit. Uh, with your eyes closed before you actually get out there, so there's no surprises. Is there one? I, I, that, is there one moment on like court where you actually with each other, where you said something to each other, where you were like, "Oh man, I really got to pull him out of this," you know? Well, yeah, there's a lot of times where you know someone's going down a, a rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. A lot of times it will be if I lose serve, like first game of the match, that's a tough one, or if Mike, you know, has a, a few break points in a row. And doesn't get it those are times that you know he probably feels like he's a you know 10 for 10 and then you know same thing when starting a match you know I don't like to get broken out of the gates mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm trying to set the tone so that's when the other brother has to step in and and you know just kind of take the take the pressure off it to put a positive spin on it like no big deal we'll get him back here um yeah you know a lot of times we'll just kind of hum a song or you know, sometimes Mike, remember you were right doing a smiley face on your racket. He was actually writing a smiley face on his grip just to try yeah. to stay Relax. positive. Like, you know, often you just try to fake it. Um, so that's you. A lot of times. Hey, I get it. Fake it till you make it. My favorite saying on the fence. There's been many times where you're like one of us will be like extremely hurt, but we'll just fake it with positive energy and, and just being actors out there. And Mike, what did you learn like, when you when you didn't have uh, Bob out there when you did play when Bob had his surgery to his hip and how difficult was that for you and and like what did you learn like personally with you on yeah, the tennis I mean, court? I mean, you had an amazing run with Jack. I mean, it was incredible that you got a partner like Jack that's obviously a Wimbledon champion himself. I don't want to bring that one up. But, you know, a good friend, what did you learn for you not having Bob on the court? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely missed him. And I didn't really want to play without him because I felt like we were in this thing together. And if he's going down, we had done enough. You know, we were 40 years old. And I said, man, if you can't play another day, let's, we'll just go out together. But he's like, I'm coming back. You know, I'm, I, I think I can, I can beat this thing. You go out there and just stay sharp. I'll meet you at Wimbledon. I'll meet you in Atlanta. And so he, I was just like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll go play one with Jack. You know, kind of opposites attract. Our game styles were totally different. We were just kind of having fun. Like, he didn't really care, you know? So it brought this whole new perspective, like, we're out there. But once he got on the court, like, he's super competitive. But we didn't practice together. Um, on, the, on our days off, he didn't even show up at the courts. I, I said, oh, I don't really want to practice either. We just... It was just a totally different from like super professional all the time with Bob. We do everything right to like totally the opposite. And I don't know, the stars aligned, you know, we're down match points and it just somehow worked out. Like it felt like I had to kind of be 
the the leader because I felt like he was riding this roller coaster of emotion. Like his his mind is going, you know, in and out, and he's getting pissed. And I felt like, okay, this is maybe my time to step up and be like a leader, counselor, make him better. And I brought the best out in him, and uh, it somehow worked out. You know, our our styles of play were just perfect together. But I was always waiting for Bob. And yeah, no, Bob was super supportive. I mean, un- unbelievable. Like, he's always the first one to call after every match. And, you know, he, I think he kind of felt like, okay, one of the Bryans is winning. Like, he felt when twins are so tight like this, it actually feels like you're winning. Um, so yeah, how was, did you feel about it, Bob? Was it- yeah, I mean, we had a tough couple of years uh, leading up to that moment. Um, and it was 16 and 17 were tough. Like, we were in a dark place. Mike had some personal stuff he was dealing with. Um, it wasn't very fun out there. Practices were getting bad. We were saying stuff to each other that was really hurtful. Our relationship was deteriorating. We came together at the beginning of 18 and wrote down goals for the first time in a few years. I wrote down all these personal, like happiness goals. I just want to be happy and have fun again. Mike actually wrote down performance goals. Yeah. So we, we had slipped off. I mean, we hadn't won a slam. We hadn't done much, but, uh, you know, we wrote down like middle of the road goals, but then I wrote down, I was like, screw it up. Let's get back to number one. Let's win some slams. Well, and he, he had just moved on from his uh, long relationship and he was actually unbeknownst to me. He was friggin' happy. He was like, okay, I'm ready to go again. You know, like he'd been carrying some stuff and I was just like, dang, this has been not fun. Like I just want to. So it's probably the first time in your lives that you weren't, literally simpatico like mike you were getting you were getting divorced yeah i I knew that i was in something bad and i wasn't happy i was carrying that on the court and our energy so connected that it would seep into him and then he would also see that i wasn't happy and and my play was uh, my health was getting bad because i was depressed and then um but he never once he never never said he never once said a bad word about his ex-wife i you know I just saw like someone that I didn't know and he was very, yeah, he was very depressed and low. And, you know, I just, I just didn't know. I I thought, okay, we're, we're done. Like this, this tour things is over. You know, we've lost whatever we had, we lost it. But then Mike writes these goals down. He's like, number one in the world, we're going to win two slam. We're going to do it. I'm like, I was just looking, I was just kind of chuckling. Like, well, this guy's, I felt felt like a new man. I I felt like I'd let him down for two years just because I was subpar. I was playing like a hundred guy in the world. Just had no energy, no enthusiasm for life. And then I had a fresh outlook. And I'm like, damn, I think we can do some stuff. We just changed the Babylon racket. We're like, yeah, we got some firepower. I was just like, okay, prove it to me, man. Let's see what you got. And then we had a great start to the year. We we were um, all the way, you know. We were number one. We were number one in the race. We had won Miami, Monte Carlo, finals of Madrid. And then, yeah, the sniper came. My hip just exploded. (laughs) We were actually one match away from getting back to number one individually, co-number one. Wow. And we had done that in those three months, which was it's just a crazy pace. Yeah, it was a like great. We I mean, were 25 years old again. And then I go down, and then Mike pulls out of Rome, comes back, um, hangs out with me, and he, he says, okay, actually tell me, I go, go to the French and stay sharp. I'm going to try to be back for Wimbledon. He goes and plays with Query. They didn't really gel. He comes back. He's like, it's frustrating to play with new partners. Like I'm just done until you come back. And then uh, we, we thought about, it. I'm like, okay, well check with sock. If he wants to go, then you should go over there. And he had, you know, I don't know, hundred grand slams in a row. He played like the record. I'm like, just keep the record alive. Just <laughs> over there. And then they freaking win it, which was a little bit too much to handle for me at the time. Yeah. I would imagine I was like, wait, wait, wait. I wanted you to do well. And I think when he made the quarters, he got back to number one. But I couldn't process. I just remember I didn't watch one point of the finals. And I was just in the in the gym just doing push-ups. <laughs> you know, I think I did like a rep of like a thousand in a row. You know, my yeah, arms were just shredded. Had you had your surgery? At that, at no, that no. I was just like, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with my hip. I, I know it hurts really bad. Oh, I, I'm doing like shock treatment and like yeah. stem cell therapy and like nothing's working. And then yeah. Mike's he coming back with the trophy, you know, I'm like, <laughs> checks. And one, a little part of me is like, dude, that's a Brian, you know, that's an extension of what we were trying to accomplish. He did it, you know, 
no one knows who's who anyway, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> part of me is like feeling sorry for myself. Like, that was, that's supposed to be me, you know, not Jack, yeah. you know, but Jack was super humble about it. He's like, dude, I'm just here, you know, until you get back. Well, he, cool. Mike could have kicked me when I was down. He could have, he could have just booted me, but I think it was good for Mike. It was like, it's like winning a mixed doubles, yeah. you know, it shows you that you're actually a great part of the team that he is, you feel like I can really play, you know, and Mike winning that, like then he, I saw his confidence grow, you know, he was happy. He was playing well. Number one in the world. They go on, they win the open, which was crazy. Well, then they win the world tour finals. It just kept going and going. And then, you know, then I finally just have the surgery and Mike's like, yeah, man, you know, I'll, I'll take you back. I'm like, cool. You know, and then wow, that's mid, not mid, mid December, you know, I'd only been like four months since the surgery and I was moving pretty slow. Yeah. We had some practices down in Miami. Uh, tryouts tryouts and this guy was not moving well and i'm like damn okay the aussie open's coming up in a few weeks um i'm a little worried you know i was a little I worried got like, that guy jack sock in the back on the flight down to australia you still couldn't really walk no 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 straight i was just hoping that the recovery would take place three weeks after that flight and i would actually be you know okay and that people wouldn't know how bad i was you know but Everything started healing. We faked it to the quarters of the Aussie. I know. And then, and then I, we got, we got kind of going. Yeah. But then we, then we won, we won Delray, we won Miami, and then our expectations grew. Yeah. And then we, <laughs> then whenever we were like tied in a set, we're like, damn it, what do we do? Like we wanted to be number one. We had these crazy goals, but I think they're just kind of outland. They're too far. Yeah. You know. So winning Miami was too early. No, I mean, it's super emotional. You know, I was like crying, family's there. I never thought I was going to play tennis again. And, you know, but as being winning, doing all the winning we've done, we, we were just like, okay, let's go for number one. You know, yeah. was, it was how, many titles? how many titles? Well, we won those two. Oh, right. We won those two in my backyard. Yeah. And I think we were, we were number one or two in the race. And then we lost the, we played Takao and Roger back to back in Madrid, first round, first round in Madrid and Rome. We split that series and then we played them in the third round of the French, ended up losing that. But we're also up 9 4 on Cabal Farah in, um, in the Rome. Yeah, 9, nine 7 or 9 6. Yeah. You, yeah. In the, so we lost a couple really tight ones that kind of we're kept playing. us on edge. And then um, at Wimbledon, we just kind of had the blowout fight on the court. You know, we made some really hurtful comments. That went south quick. We played a, a Mahout that was hurt. He's like in the locker room. He's like, hey, guys, I'm, you know, I'm probably not going to play. I'm just going to can't believe him. Yeah. I and mean, then, it was, it was then the, the warm-up, he, he was like had a cane. And uh, we go up a break, and, and we're like, oh, when's he going to retire? I he love him, but he's a faker. He would have retired had Mike held serve <laughs> to win the first set. He would have retired. But – he threw in a stinker. Yeah, it's then, amazing how much your level drops when you know all you have to do is just play okay. And so it's a, it was just a mental... Guys, you had to go back to 2003 when you're like, we got one break, we got to get two. No, I know. Well, it's funny. Like, we, we had the expectations and we, we added this pressure to ourselves. Um, at 41 years old, that was probably... Uh, it was unrealistic. We should have basically just been happy to be there and and, and been hard, but we, yeah i think uh, winning winning so much early in that year it was just like we we kind of changed our focus and tried to you yeah. know yeah it's a good lesson yeah. i think when you get older it is the one thing that i can tell you you've got to find the fun you've got to find yeah because yep. you you've already accomplished everything you don't need to prove anything but you've what you need to prove is that you still love the sport um yep. guys um Thanks. I mean, this has been awesome. I could talk to you for hours. I do have to ask you about what's going to happen with the retirement plans because you were supposed to stop at the U.S. Open. That was going yeah. to be the last hurrah, the last yeah, fight on court. What yeah, you we, felt like, you know, we felt like we had one more uh, good year left in us, um, you know, not getting any younger. And we thought, okay, we want to keep playing while we're healthy. And so what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. I mean, look, we haven't hit many balls. Have you been hitting a lot of balls? Hello. No, I don't need to. <laughs> uh, so we went out there yesterday. We, you know, we sprinkle in a couple hits, um, just trying to keep, keep sharp. We'll see how we feel. I mean, 
now Mike's got the baby. I travel with the baby. It's, 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 it's challenging. So we'll see if he wants to do that. It's hard um, to rev up the engines again when, when you shut it down for this long. You have to keep, you know, like we talked about, you have to keep, like the body at this age has to keep moving. You have to stretch, you have to roll, you have to do everything like a professional athlete does. You do. And it, it's just, if we really want to do that, I, we really want to play um, the open and go out, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, realistically, it's probably going to get moved. We're going to play team tennis. That got announced today. It's going to happen um, for the Vegas Rollers. But yeah, we'll see where our head's at. Um, you know, yeah, no decisions yet, no decisions. Uh, Stubbsy, but we, you know, we, we want to play some of these tournaments that we, we love, Indian Wells, Miami, and Cincy in the Open. Those are the, those are the tournaments we love playing. You might have to wait another year, fellas. I mean, we'll, I mean, listen, I'll take you for another year. Stubbs, you got one more mixed doubles in you? No, nah, man, my hips are bad. I need the, you know, I got the hips, the knees. I mean, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you want to play. I mean, you did win the U.S. Open with Martina. She was 49. I just turned 49, so I got time. Okay, okay there we go. I got time. Well, now that you've been in quarantine, though, you know, away from all of this, is it giving you, um, we can do it. Is it giving you a, a sense of um, what you what want you to want? do? This is all over, though? I mean, you got kids now, and do you want to? Yeah, no, no. I mean, we've definitely put a positive spin on the quarantine, just kind of a reset, you know, spend time with the family. Gives you a little glimpse into retirement, what's going to be like a uh, daily routine. Um, yeah, and just hanging out at the house a lot. I've been cooking. Mike's full-time with the baby. Um, we're thinking about, you know, what we want to do. It's hard, you know, you know, to try to figure out what you, you know, because a, a lot of the stuff around the tennis world. I mean, you spend a lot of time in California. You both have places in Florida. You spend a lot of time there as well, I know, with your residents and everything. Mike, you're a lot more in Cali. Yeah. Bob, is it is it has this given you a reason to maybe want to live closer to each other, especially now with, that you have cousins? Yeah, I mean, I think we're the happiest when we're close to each other, and it feels a little weird to be all the way across the the U.S. Because, I mean, we love doing stuff together, and we want our kids to play together. I'm trying to get him to move out to California because this is where it's at. I mean, look at this weather—just blue sky, palm trees. You got the mountains, and so he's got an Airbnb. Or he's been here for a couple months, and I think. You should uh, I'll stay here you a little buy bit. that Airbnb. I'll stay here a little longer if you pay for my Airbnb. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, two extra Grand Slam wins. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. It's so funny how um, we spoil our money until, until we I'll write you a check. Thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll buy breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, I think, I think we got to get Bob out here. Let's convince him. All right. No, well, I, I love Cali. I love Cali. It's, it's, it's nice, but you know, Mitchie's family's all in Miami. It's going to be a, be a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, and those you know those Florida taxes. Just... Yeah, yeah, they're nice. They're nice. It's yeah. Only thirteen more percent over here in California. It's not a big deal. It's a chunk. Yeah, guys, um, it's uh, honest to God, like you're two of the just the best guys. Um, I was there when you won your hundredth. I think uh, you won that U.S. Open as well. I mean, I've been around. I've seen you so much. I've played team tennis with you. Um, I've shared the court only with Bob. Mike didn't play with me. Bob did. We hey, lost to Mike. Did we beat Mike and Karina? No, we lost, dude. We well, lost no, to no, him? You and Martina beat me. Oh, yeah. damn. Have Wait, we ever beat Did we ever beat no, Mike? No, no, you never beat no, me. No, we played him once. I, I, I remember my oh, funny. I, did I choke it? Yeah, Bob let you down. I remember stuff you were saying. No, I have no idea. I didn't even know the score, but all Grand I remember. Fortnite match, I remember. Here's my favorite. It, uh, it was on Grandstand. Here's yeah. my favorite thing about you, though. Didn't involve you, Mike. Bob, Wimbledon. Do you remember this match? You played with Venus. Yes. I was playing with uh, Todd Reed. Uh, Todd, uh, no. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Todd the, uh, uh, Perry. Todd Perry. Thank you. Yes. Terrible. And I was playing the backhand side. Yep. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, that, that lefty cutter was working that day, uh, wasn't it? And do you know, Mike, do you know how many returns I got in the court that day? <laughs> I would say... And we were up a break in the first set, okay? My partner served for the first set. So You've we were playing broken. Pretty, pretty good. 2006. broken once on grass in 20 years. So probably you made one return? Zero. Zero. Yeah, Mike, that thing was, um, that thing was cutting. He was oh. cutting. Here's the best part. On match point, this cocky son of a bitch looks at me, literally, at Wimbledon and goes, where do you want it? <laughs> oh, no way. Where do you want? I go, I don't know. And I go, ah, here, forehand. I thought at least I might be able to bunt the forehand in the court. No, nah, still hidden in the net. 
Yeah, that was 06. Yeah, I was a 28-year-old. Fresh arm still. Yeah, yeah just, just sliding me into the into the patrons on court three. Yeah, you, need, you needed a ticket to be able, be able to return that, sir. I mean, how dumb. But I played you on the forehand side at the US Open and I returned you pretty well. So I thought that was a mistake. I never can play the backhand with you. We, had, do we had many battles there, Stubbsy. <laughs> sure you got me. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't play enough. Anyway, guys, I love you so much. I'm, Mike, I'm so congrats on the little Jake man. I can't wait to see them all together. I'm going to babysit little Jake one day. I, I'm happy to. I'm a good. I'm a good babysitter. Um, but yeah, I can't say enough words about how amazing you both are as parents, as brothers, as sons, um, as competitors. You're so respected on the tour um, with everybody. There's not a bad word that could be say, said about you because you played the game the right way. I hope to God we get to see you play a few more tournaments. I certainly want to see you maybe hold up one more slams. Um, <laughs> And if not, if Thanks, not, Dubsy. just work on that forehand, Bobby. You'll be fine. I can't say enough about you. So thanks for joining me today. And mwah, take care yeah. of yourselves. I'll see you soon. You're see you amazing. Bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 